Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. We'll continue our discussions of Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. Uh, we are discussing of late uh, the nature of um, the Lord's external potency, Bahiranga Shakti. And in this specific, these specific sections of the Paramatma Sandarbha, Sri Jiva Goswami is enlightening us as to the proper vision to have in relationship to this external energy. Um, he's providing us with. Uh, with the vision of, of the sadhus, of the truly self-realized in this particular area here of the Paramatma Sandarbha. We kind of see the points in a very succinct form uh, put forth by Krishna to Arjuna uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, in the battlefield of Kurukshetra. Mataparataramnanyat kinchirasti dananjaya mai sarvamidam protam sarve sutre mani gana iva. There is nothing superior to me, Arjuna. This entire cosmic cosmos is strung on me like pearls on a thread. And then it's interesting in the Bhagavad Gita, he goes on to point out specific ways we can see him within the material manifestation. So this this idea is similar to what Jiva's been conveying in this section of the Sandarbha, the Paramatma Sandarbha, uh, O son of Kunti. In water I am the taste, in the moon and sun I am light. In all the Vedas, I am the sacred syllable Om. In ether, I am sound, and in human beings, I am prowess. Uh, in the earth, I am pure odor. Now, if we remember, Jiva used that specifically. This this idea of the 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 element earth. Uh, if it wasn't for for that part, the Paramatma makes the subtlety of the elements apparent to us through the senses, the tanmatras, so that subtle, the subtle, the subtle aspect of any specific element, take any of the, of the gross elements, earth, water, fire, air, ether, there's a subtle aspect which is truly the means by which we perceive that specific element. So that, that subtlety of the element is what our senses perceive. So we perceive earth through it, it contains a, the scent. So this, the scent of the earth conveys the sense of the earth. And so this idea 
that the, that the gross follows the subtle and that the subtle is that aspect of any specific element that is, what do you want to say, energized uh, by Paramatma. So the, the last two Anachetas dealt specifically with, with how not to perceive items within the material manifestation. Don't look at an object or a body simply as a, uh, a conglomeration of parts or whatever, whatever those ways we're looking. And then don't, then the next Anachetan took it down to the molecular level, basically. Don't look at any object or any body as just constituted of the, the most, the simplest and most succinct presentation of matter. And in the scriptures, that's referred to as the Paramanu. It's like the atom of the atoms. It's like you can't, you don't get any smaller than that. So the, the <coughs> scriptural rep, representation of the smallest divisibility of matter is the Paramanu. But it's funny the way it's presented in the Anucheda by Sri Jiva Goswami is. If you're seeing anything in nature as only constituted of its parts, if you're seeing, and if you're seeing beyond the parts to the basic building blocks, and you're not seeing that in relationship to the Supreme, then you're an illusion. Then that's truly, that's truly the Vivarta. That's the illusion of material existence. So it's not that we don't accept that there is illusion within the material existence. We certainly do. We certainly see that there is illusion. The illusion is created, as Jiva has pointed out, by our mental construct that we're seeing a separateness. So in seeing that separateness, we we are in illusion. That does not discount the reality of material existence. It isn't that there is no material existence. There is. But seeing that existence as being in any way separate from the Supreme, that is an illusory presentation brought about by our own mental mis, mental constructs is the way it's been, the mental ideas. We come up with the idea that a body is made up of, of different parts, the organs and this and that, or, or tables made up of the wood and the, the varnish and the glue and so we, we see like that, and if we or if we take it down, say, well, if we really look at it, the the basis of matter is is the smallest of things. 
So however you, however you look at it, if you don't see that all of it rests on the supreme, that really the basic, the basis for material manifestation is the supreme, and he is the primary ingredient. He is the primary ingredient of the material manifestation and of all the bodies, all the everything that's represented in matter. He is the he is he is the primary of everything. And if you're not seeing like that, then that's an illusion. And you are living in the material world and you are accepting the illusion as a reality. So you're accepting Vivartavad. But you're not accept but the Vaishnava viewpoint is not the same viewpoint as the Advaitin viewpoint. The Advaitin say there's only Brahman, and if you think there's anything else, if you think that Brahman has has any anything to do with matter, then that's an illusion. Well, it's they're they're pretty close. But there's a vast difference in, in, in what the re- reality is from the two schools of, of thought. So the Advaitins say it's all an illusion. It's all a, me- it's all a mental construct. And the Vaishnavas say it, it's all illusory, but it's an illusion if you don't see it in relationship with the Supreme, but he does have a material energy. He does have a separate spiritual individuated consciousness in his manifestation of the Jiva Shakti. So the Tatasta Shakti does have a basis in reality. And Maya has a basis in the reality, and that reality is Paramatma. So we we left off uh, in the last class talking about scriptural injunction. And Jiva's approach was very unique in this regard, because what was what was put forth was Jiva said Jiva put forth his own argument. His argument was very simple. Okay, all right, so you say that the Brahman, which has a body, is really Paramatma. That's what Jiva's kind of leading, led up to in, in the discussion up to this point. So you have a, you have, you have somebody who is a Brahman. So you're saying, well, really, that Brahman is Paramatma. No, you haven't really heard what I'm saying, Jiva saying, said, saying now. He's saying, what I'm saying is that the Brahman, the form of the Brahman, it relies on the energy of Paramatma. But he uses a, a, an interesting technique here. What he does is he, he says, because the argument is made, well, therefore Paramatma being a Brahman and being all the different, you know, 
categories of human beings or being all the different categories of whatever you may see in material existence is subject to the rules and regulations. So now you, in your philosophy, by making this presentation in this way, in philosophically you're saying, well, that means God's, God has to follow the rules and regulations. So the interesting approach that Jiva takes is he says, he's saying, well, if you had the proper, vi- even the Brahmin, if he has the proper spiritual vision, he doesn't have to follow the rules and regulations. So if the Brahmin doesn't have to follow the rules and regulations, if his vision is perfect, Samardarshina, if his vision is absolutely perfect, then he has no rules and regulations. So what to speak of Paramatma? So it's a it's an interesting approach he, he's taking here, you know, he, because he's he's using the example of the of the of the self-realized soul. So the self-realized soul doesn't have to follow any rules and regulations. It's only when you are not seeing that every soul is truly an aspect of Paramatma. Only then do the rules and regulations apply. So we talked about the example of Sukadev. Sukadev's walking by. He's a naked young man, you know, in his prime, only 16 years old. He's walking by the bathing girls and he's not affected. And the girls know it. Now his father, who one would say is more more educated in in scripture come on he just broke the vedas up and you know <laughs> he did a lot of work there he's, he's pretty he's got it together but he's still he's seeing distinctions so they're covering their bodies so the same thing's applying he's he's following rules and regulations He's following rules and regulations because he's making distinctions. Sukadev's not following rules and regulations. He's not making distinctions. He's perfectly situated. So the rules and regulations are only applicable to those people that are making distinctions. Those people who are making such distinctions are in illusion. They're not seeing things clearly. They're not seeing things perfectly. They're not perfectly situated in transcendence yet. And then we talked about the nature of this carries through not only to the Brahma bodies, it's also applicable to even 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 the, the sadhus who are Krishna conscious, who are the bhaktas. They also are not subject to rules and regulations when their vision is perfectly situated. Of course, they don't preach either. The only people that preach Gaudiya Vaishnavism are not what we refer to as the Uttama Adhikari who has such perfect spiritual vision. The person that preaches, even if he's an Uttama, he has to give up that non-distinctive way of looking at the world as only Krishna and seeing everyone as equal. Krishna talks about him in the Bhagavad Gita. 
He see, sees equally the dog, the dog eater, the Brahman. He sees equally everything. He has such equal vision. He sees Vasudev everywhere. Such a soul is very rare. He's only seeing Krishna. So the Uttama, even to preach, he's coming down and he's making these distinctions. So in this way, in this interesting approach, Jiva's, so what about Paramatma? Do you think Paramatma sees distinctions? His pure, the pure transcendentalists don't see such distinctions. And since they're not subject to the rules and regulations, well, neither would Paramatma be subject to the rules and regulations. So, Jiva Goswami defeats his own argument that he's put forward. So we'll read the rest of the Anucheta proper as presented uh, by Jiva Goswami. When one examines the parts of a substance sequentially, then, bec- then because these parts are situated in one locus, being connected to one another, and because they give the impression through convention of forming a distinct unity, Every part is apparently equated with the whole. Thus follows the delusion, this limb is this body. Just as it may be said of each individual tree, it is the forest. All this happens because of ignorance of Paramatma, the source of the experience of unity, Aikya Buddhi. As Bhagavan himself spoke, the discriminative faculty and speech of those who are living futile lives are false when they say the humans say of human beings that this is the same person, the same body, just as the claim that a series of flames is the same light, or that the water is a, in, in a flowing stream is the same water. Just as those kind of statements involve false speech and false discrimination. Wow, that sounds a little interesting. So what's what's Jiva saying there? He's he's quoting he's quoting something that Krishna said from the eleventh canto. So Jiva explains it. Just for this reason, when a self concept such as I am a Brahmana is held, too, in regard to the body, then the injunctions and prohibitions related to it are applicable. So if you have a concept that someone's a Brahmin as distinct distinct from someone else who's a dog or someone else who's a cow, if you have those kind of ideas that the Brahmin is different from the cow, if you think like that, the rules and regulations apply, is what Jeeva is saying. Then you got Then you got to follow the rules. Then you got to milk the cow, and you got to worship the Brahmin, or worship the cow and worship the Brahmin. <laughs> I didn't say. <laughs> Just then, the spiritual injunction, injunctions apply. 
just as the sense that one is awake or dreaming can both be experienced even in the dream state. This also will be elaborated on, so we'll get there. To this end, Narda speaks the second half of the principal verse under discussion, namely that just as wakefulness and dreaming can both be experienced in the dream state, the rules carry their injunctive force and the regulations their prohibitive force when one adopts the erroneous self-concept of being a Brahmana and so on. One should also understand the following verse in the same way. And then Jiva quotes the following verse from the 11th canto. Seeing the whole universe is essentially one with the totality of Prakriti and Purusha, one should neither praise nor criticize the nature and actions of others. So, Jiva is... He's really using the highest ideals of of transcendent consciousness that the sadhus or any transcendentalist has in relationship to the world. Seeing such sameness as the as the Brahmavadis do throughout the world, or seeing such sameness of purpose as the Vaishnavas do of everything in the world. What a way to see! I mean, we, it's it's interesting to conceptualize what is the consciousness of an Uttama Adhikari who has no he does not discriminate. He can see someone who's in the most abominable situation and he can see the most advanced Vaishnav and he, he honestly, within, within his, his seeing of those individual jivas in the material nature, does not, he doesn't in any way, he's not affected by the distinctive nature of their actions within the material world. He simply sees them as pure jivas who, to different, differing extents, are being influenced by the modes of nature. But there's no, he, doesn't, he doesn't really distinguish from them from a spiritual viewpoint. So much so that he's not going to he's not going to I mean he's re, he's not going to fall down in praise of the of the exalted Vaishnav and he's not going to 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 try to uplift the fallen Malecha. Now of course as a Vaishnav he would offer respect to Vaishnavs, but that's those also are external to his internal mood and his internal vision of the world around him. And just like a Sukadev, a Brahmavadi, someone who's, who's a Jivan Mukta, a liberated Jiva within the material realm, he doesn't see these such distinctive distinctions. 
this kind of vision is is extremely advanced, but that's what is being presented here in this these sections, Anuchedas of the Paramatma Sandarbha, in trying to convey to us what's how how to really begin to turn our vision towards such a way of perceiving the world around us. It's a turning of consciousness. He's trying to turn our consciousness to what? We can't see anything but Krishna everywhere. That's really... The, it's where he's going with this. And, and realize anybody that's not seeing like that is to one degree or another, in Maya, we would say. He, he's, he's being influenced by Maya. He's in illusion. He's the epitome of Vivartavad in that respect. The meaning is duality is the non-reality of us too. Where it is concerned, the question does not arise, what is good or bad and to what extent it is so. I mean, such a vision. What's good? What's bad? What's if it if it's not if it's not spiritual existence? Wh- who cares? I mean, that's basically what Krishna's saying in the, in this verse from the eleventh canto. I believe it's in the section to instructing uh, what we call the Uddhava Gita. Seeing the whole universe as essentially one with the totality of Prakriti and Purusha, one should neither praise nor criticize the nature and actions of others. Therefore, it is essential. I'm sorry. He he concludes the Anucheta. Therefore, the essence of the topic covered in the foregoing sections is that because nothing can be explained independently of Paramatma, everything is ultimately non-different from him. That's where he's brought us to. Look at matter in this way. Is it a constituent? Is it a conglomeration? Is it this? Or is it made up of... If you, if you break it down, if you look at it, look at it through the eyes of Shastra. If you look at it deeply, if you if you contemplate it fully, you can only come to one conclusion. Everything is resting on Paramatma. Everything that you're experiencing is resting on his energy. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, as pearls are strung on a thread. You cannot see it any other way. Don't don't go there. It won't be beneficial to you. Now, I'm not going to sit here and, and get into... We're, we're, we're looking at the tattvas as presented by Jiva Goswami. The applicable, practical application of devotional principles according to our qualification is a whole other subject. So, we understand that as a separate subject and it must be dealt with categorically according to our nature and our situation. We're not going to wake up one morning and begin to see like this. But we're gradually going to attain this vision 
and Jiva's pushing us in that direction. And that's how we should take enlightenment from this section of the of the Paramatma Sandarbha. Let's go there. Let him take us there. Wouldn't it be great not to see distinctiveness, not to see ourselves as a body, not to see as the, the body as anything except being held up and supported by Krishna at every moment. And everything that we experience is of his nature. What what a spiritual relative uh, what a realizational way to to ex- experience life would that be if we could develop such a vision? It's interesting uh, from the commentary. I'll just discuss a couple a couple verses, other verses, which which point in this direction. Of course, we have the famous Atmarama verse, Atmaramas Jamunayo. Near Grantha, Apurukame. Some sages who are Atmaramas beyond the scriptures, near Grantha. They don't, they're beyond, they, their vision is such that they're beyond the scriptures themselves. The scriptures are meant to take us in the right direction. The Atmaramas, well, they're already there. They have the proper vision. Of course, there's more vision that they can have, and that's what the verse goes on to speak of. What's it say? False ego and rules. They're beyond scriptures. They're beyond false ego. They're beyond the rules. Also practice unmotivated pure bhakti to the master of pure bhakti, Krishna, since he possesses qualities attractive to even them. So it's exemplifying bhakti and exemplifying the, the, the sweetness of the Supreme, which has nothing to do with the material manifestation. Also from the Bhagavad Gita, Vijavinaya Sampane, Brahmane Gavihastini. So those established in true wisdom regard with equal vision a Brahmana endowed with learning and humility, a cow, an elephant, a dog, and a dog eater. So it mentions here, as long as a person does not see that there is one Paramatma in all beings, one is bound to cognize Variety and distinctions such as Brahmana and Kshatriya. In such a state, scriptural injunctions would be applicable. Also from Bhagavad Gita, just to tie it together, Krishna says in the 18th chapter, there's three verses regarding the visions of people that are influenced by the modes of material nature. How do they see things? according to those influences under the modes of material nature. So for the 18th chapter, three verses, starting with verse 20. Know that knowledge, gyan, to be, know that knowledge, gyan, to be sattvic, by which one imperishable and indivisible reality is seen in all the diverse living beings. So that's the best vision. Then the vision, Krishna goes on, the vision of one who's uh, in the mode of 
passion, that knowledge, however, which is differential in nature and by which one perceives that there are discrete types of beings with individualized existence in all diverse bodies, you should know to be Rajasika. So if that's the way you see the world, if that's your, the basis of your knowing the world, then you're, you're seeing distinctiveness. That's a distinctiveness that's created by the influence of the mode of passion. And the last of the three verses. And that knowledge by which one becomes attached to a single phenomenal object or or habituated, habituated to a conditional pattern of behavior, consider it to be, considering it to be everything, and which is irrational, devoid of essential truth and trivial, is called Tomasic. <laughs> When one is influenced by Rajas and Thomas, one sees diversity independent of Paramatma. All right, I think we've covered the points here pretty extensively. Could you read the one again about Rajasic? Mm -hmm. I mean, it said if you see the individual souls in the body. Okay, this is his translation into English of... uh, 1821, that knowledge, however, which is differential in nature, seeing differences, and by which one perceives that there are discrete types of beings with individualized existence in all diverse bodies, you should know to be Rajarsika. How does the Tomasic person see? Can you do that one again? And that knowledge by which one becomes attached to a single phenomenal object or habituated to a conditioned pattern of behavior, considering it to be everything, and which is irrational, devoid of essential truth, and trivial, is called Tomasic. Yes? Um, What was it in the beginning you were saying Jiva Goswami was contradicting himself? What was it that you were pointing out? I didn't, I didn't get that. He was, uh, he was raising the objection at the very beginning of that leads us into this section. Mm-hmm. He was putting forth the objection, well, you've just said that Paramatma is the, is the basis of everything mm-hmm. in, the, in the prior Anachetas. You've just said that. Well, so we see Brahmins in the world and Brahmins follow regulations. So therefore, if the Brahman is really Paramatma, then Paramatma has to, is following regulations. So therefore, well, if he's following them, then they're more powerful than he is, is basically what's being said. If you're following something for your betterment, it's better than you are. So you're going in that direction. So therefore, Paramatma is subject to rules and regulations, and we know that can't be. So I didn't read from the very beginning of the Anacheta. We already covered that in an earlier class, but it basically it opened up with just that argument made by Jiva. He says, objection. 
But it is not so that if everywhere, every body or composite whole were nothing other than the real existent Paramatma, then because bodies acquire designations such as a Brahmana, Paramatma would be liable to the rules and prohibitions resulting from the virtues and vices present in such a body, which, in the case of Paramatma, would be an impossibility. So how do we explain that? And then he answers his own question. Therefore, should we not admit, he goes on with the questioning of his own premise, that Paramatma is everywhere, is the basis of everything. Therefore, should we not admit that the composite whole is necessarily different from Paramatma? You just said Paramatma is everything. He's used that, he's, he's provided evidence to that effect in the last two sections. How are you going to deal with that? Well, he takes a, a sutra from the Bhagavatam, quoting Narda. He uses this to explain the situation. So that verse is, as long as a doubt persists in regards to the real existent, as long as we don't have a perfect vision of the reality of the real existence, which is the supreme, God, Paramatma, whatever nomenclature you want to use, as long as one is unaware of the real existent is, that it is Paramatma, the delusion of the sameness of separate identity remains. Understand the illusion? Delusion. He doesn't even use illusion. Delusion. You're deluded. You're deluded. The delusion of the sameness of separate identity remains. You're seeing a distinction between a dog, a dog eager, a Brahmin. You're seeing that's that's not a, that's not the way you should see the world. We see the world that way, and the distinctiveness in our seeing is evidence to what from Bhagavad Gita, Krishna saying such seeing is evidence to your rajasic knowledge. We want to take you beyond that. So the conclusion of this topic which began in 82, Anucheta 58, is that the universe is not imaginary. It cannot be explained independently of Paramatma, for nothing exists separate from him. We have seen that modern science has utterly failed in its endeavor to explain the world without reference to a universally interconnected conscious substratum. In the next discussion, we will talk, he, we will completely wrap up this subject. There's one little anecdote, unless you want me just to read it. It's a simple verse from Prahlad. All right, we'll finish it. So this finishes up the subject in total. Prahlad says in the seventh canto, his prayers to Lord Nasringadev, You are air, fire, earth, sky, and water the subtle elements, tanmatras, the vital force, the senses, the heart, pure consciousness, and grace as well. O great one, you alone are all things, whether composed of the gunas or devoid of such gunas. There is nothing at all other than you. 
whether defined by thought or word. The word, this is, this is the interesting thing that Jiva goes on to say. So we've always said, what when we speak of heart, hridaya, what is it? Anybody have a definite definition for heart? Jiva has a definition for heart. So his Anacheda continues in his explanation of this verse from the Bhagavatam. The word hridaya, heart, means the internal sense, antar indriya, the inner sense, antar indriya, which consists of the mind, intellect, ego, and the unconscious. Chip means the pure jiva, and grace, anugraha, means the divine potency that enables the turning of attention toward Bhagavan. What more can be said, Jiva's saying, whether composed of the gunas and hence of the nature of maya or devoid of such gunas and thus free from maya, all things are you alone. So that wraps up the Abeda section. Now, he hasn't used this wording. This is just a conclusion we can arrive at that he's now, everything's Paramatma. He's taken us through all this and said, everything's Paramatma, but not Paramatma. Now let's talk about it. It's not Paramatma. When he's saying it, everything's Paramatma, everything rests on Paramatma. But you cannot, you cannot go there without also accepting the fact that there is nothing else that anything could be comprised of except Paramatma. Because what were we taught earlier? In the, uh, in the effect, there is the cause. Jiva's Again, this is this is deep theistic thought. He's trying to get us to see, and if we go there, it helps us. This sambanda gyan, this foundation, helps us to start to see things in a very, very Krishna conscious way. I'll stop there. Are there any questions? Earlier, um, Jiva speaks about. Um, um, the distinction of seeing jivas, you know, the two types of jivas, the ones that is looking towards the surup shakti and one that's looking towards the um, bhairanga shakti. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if that uh, distinction would also fall under the same kind of materialistic distinction. That w- would the uttama adhikari have that distinction or not? The, to see the different uh, types of jivas. Do they look at jivas in that one? The vision of such a such a person who's situated in the topmost rungs of, of transcendental vision, so in, in our line, the Uttama Adhikari, such distinctiveness doesn't really enter his consciousness the way it would someone who has less qualification. He's so absorbed in Krishna, he sees Krishna everywhere. 
So he's not he's not seeing anything but Krishna. And if he's seeing a living entity, he's seeing that re- living entity in relationship to Krishna. Doesn't he say that everybody served is serving Krishna in one way or the other? Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't see anything that's not running perfectly under under the divine arrangement of, of the Supreme. And he's not affected by anything material. He's not affected by the influence of the modes of nature in, in any way. And the Jivan Mukta is also in that has that same vision, but his he's seeing Brahman as the basis of everything, and he's Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti, Sabjite. We have to understand that these these two verses from the Bhagavatam, this one that that he's we're, we've concentrated on for these first three Sandarbhas. Vanati tat tatva vidas tatva miyash gyanamadvayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabjate. And then going to the next sandarbha, the Krishna sandarbha, Krishna's two bhagavan swayam. These two verses are the basis of, of the whole sambandha gyan. From Jiva's vision, these two verses are what, what are the basis of Gaudiya Vaishnav sambandha gyan. We have these ways of looking at the absolute truth, and if you can fully comprehend those, and if you can fully comprehend that of all these different visions, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, the topmost is to see that Krishna is the topmost manifestation. And that's yes. You had a question. I know you said that. Um, you can't talk about this the applicable way to develop the consciousness, but where where can one start to what can one do to develop this state? That way of seeing. Yeah, that way of seeing. You develop that way of seeing by hearing. So that's where our that's where our development begins. We're hearing from Jiva, and we're say, he's saying, if you're not seeing this way, you're not there yet. Okay, well, I need to, you know, I need to be aware of that. But we also have to be very, we have to have realistic expectations of spiritual advance based on where we actually are. Unless your vision's really going pretty strongly in this direction, don't be putting on saffron. It's just not going to work. You have to be in a mindset where where you're really going to this kind of of, of a, a vision in order to renounce the world around you, in order to walk through the world unattached to it like a sannyas. You have to have practical application, which means good guidance, which means you you have you have a spiritual master that can help you. Master, spiritual masters, we take shelter. So, yeah, they'll help us see where we are and help us get where we want to go. How do we do it? Do it step by step, gradually. Enthusiasm, patience, and confidence. But patience has to be there. We'll get there eventually. Thank you so much for your association.